Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers Podcast. Uh, this is episode nine. I'm joined today by Samuel. Hello, Samuel. Hi, Rick. Hello, hi, thank you for joining me today. All right. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Pleasure to be on here. Um, we've got uh, a few things A few things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some of the games that we've played recently. Um, we've got a special interview with Jim, Jim Freeman, who works for Patriot Games in Sheffield. Uh, so we're going to hear from him. We've got a question of the week, which is solo gaming. Do you do any solo gaming? Before that, uh, I just want to have a quick chat about the actual club itself and how it works, because we've not, not talked about that for a while. Uh, so I thought we'd um, we'd just cover sort of the bases the bases and sort of explain how how the club actually works. So it's, it's run by by the gamers of Sheffield, uh, the members. Uh, anybody's uh, welcome to join us. You don't have to be a member or you don't have to plan in advance or anything like that. Uh, anybody can turn up and play games with us. Uh, we generally play twice a week, which is on Tuesday and Thursday, and also once a month as well. It's coming that time of year when we're uh, we're asking for subs as well. So Ian and Dave are going around asking for two pounds for the year, which is the the subs, and that goes towards various costs like running the forum, uh, maintaining the club library, things like that. So uh, if you see them uh, wandering around, chuck them a couple of quid, and that'll go in the in the kitty, and it'll go to towards uh, covering some of the costs of the club. Uh, anybody can join us the best way to get in touch is on the forum if you register for a forum it's free um, you can put your details in there and you can either uh, ask questions or you can plan to play games on there uh, you, we're also on Facebook so you can send us a message that way as well so if you want to ask any questions um, you can send us a message that way uh, so if you want to come and uh, play games with us um, you don't have to bring anything with you you don't have to know anything about the games generally we'll we'll, uh, we'll teach you the games that, that we play so if it's something you haven't played before, don't worry about that. You can just turn up and play it. Uh, and I would say that if you are planning on visiting, uh, just make sure you turn up on time. That's the only thing. If you turn up at quarter past seven or half past seven, generally people start playing games by then. So sometimes you might have to have to wait around for a while and we don't want people sort of hanging around, sitting around, not doing anything. So <laughs> if, if you turn up roughly on time, about seven o'clock, we usually start then um, we'll we'll try and get you to get you into a game. And uh, if you do, like I say, if you do want to play something uh, that you you know specifically that you've that you've brought along, uh, put a message on the forum, ask if anyone wants to join in with you. Um, you can plan it all in advance there. Um, you can turn up on the on the evening, but sometimes people have have already planned other games, so it's a bit of a lottery. You might not you might not necessarily get it played that that particular day. Um, but if you do want to play games, then uh, yeah, turn up and and say hello. The the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Kickstarters. Uh, we generally don't usually talk about these uh, very much, uh, but obviously Kickstarter is a big big part of the hobby now, and a lot of people you know invest a lot of time and and, and, and effort and money into the games that they that they want to see produced. Uh, so uh, it's quite a um, there's quite a few really big kick, kickstarters on the on there at the moment which are which are going through at the moment so i just wanted to mention a couple of those uh, return to the dark tower is the big one this is the 80s i think it's 80s board game that's been sort of reimagined and redone for the modern age and this one comes with a a tower that sits in the middle of the board and it's bluetooth enabled and it plays sounds and it makes noises and it drops skulls out and things like that so it's a it's a bit of a gadget sort of inspired game uh, you do need the app to play it, so I looked at the Kickstarter and, and you do need an app. So if you don't want sort of apps in your games or anything like that, then you might have to give one a, that one a miss. Uh, but that's quite cool. I've never played the original game. I know I know somebody who owns it, but I've never actually played it. And it's quite an old, quite an old game. 
Have, have you ever played that one? Um, no, I've not come across it until I'd seen the something on Facebook about about the Kickstarter. Yeah, it's fun, it's funded, I think. So it's just a case of uh, okay. get whatever stretch goals are gonna are gonna pop in now. Yeah. Uh, another another one that's quite big at the moment is one called Earth Chronicles of Empire and Exile, and this is the follow up to Root. Uh, it's the same guy who did Root and, oh, and those right. kind of games. So. Uh, if you're interested in those those kind of games, this one there's no app in there at all, so <laughs> you can uh, you can just play the game and not have any electronics at all at the table. So that's another big one that's being uh, that's being kicked out at the moment. I might look at that one because I've played Vast and I've played Root. So. Yeah, they are they are really popular games. Like I've seen them played a few times yeah. at the club. So yeah, uh, and then the final one that I wanted to mention was one called Foundations of Rome. Uh, this is designed by the same guy that did the Century games, so Century Spice Road and the new ones and the Golem one and things like that. So this is um, a kind of you got like little models of buildings and you're building a room on your on a grid. So that one looks quite cool again. Uh, and again, that one's I think it's funded already. It's just got, got loads of stretch stretch goals, but it looks looks quite cool. Uh, I've only ever backed one one game on Kickstarter was the was the Dulosaur Island. You know the two player version of Dinosaur Island. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not generally one for for Kickstarters or anything. Have you have you backed any? Have you? I backed, I don't know, about fifteen something like that. Have you? Right, okay. Fifty years, <laughs> maybe, yeah, but maybe a bit less, maybe a dozen. And they've generally been uh, fine. They've all they've all arrived. They've all been funded. In fact, Everdale, which I backed in January a couple of years ago, it was due to arrive in the November of that year, but actually it arrived in the August. Right. <laughs> which is quite quite impressive. Yeah. Three months yeah. early, which is, and the other ones have arrived. On time, maybe a little bit late, but you know, yeah. I've always had updates and things saying oh, it's been delayed or whatever. So, all the ones I've backed have been fine. Yeah, g- generally they do keep. Yeah, they keep you informed, don't they? Of like what's what's going on, and if they've got any issues, any problems, or anything, they'll generally let you know. There, there is obviously a, a risk involved with it, but most of them. Are, yeah, are there is a bit of risk if you don't. If you, you're going to, yeah. it's going to get funded, or if it's you know they're actually going to get made. But I think generally, if you go with sort of you know companies you know. And the previous other things before it's mm. it's generally fairly safe, but there is a little bit of risk you have to be aware of. It's not quite the same as just buying something from a shop where you've definitely absolutely got it. Okay, so uh, onto some games we played recently then. So um, I've I've got uh, just one this time, uh, which is a game called Loot. Okay, there's quite an old game. This is 1992. Wow, published. So it's a bit of an older one. Yeah, <laughs> it's by uh, Reiner Knizia. Okay, who does a lot of uh, a lot of board games and card games and things. It's an auction game, which you probably could have guessed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it takes about 20 minutes. It's it's basically a filler. It's pretty quick. Mm. Plays two to eight players. And the goal of the game is to get points. So basically it's a deck of cards, and in this deck of cards there are merchant ships which are worth uh, values, so between two and eight are the values on those. And then the other cards that are in the deck are pirate ships, and they have a strength value which is between one and four. So on your turn you've got a hand of cards uh, which are mixed up with these merchant and pirate ships, and basically you can either draw a card off the top of the deck to replenish your hand, or you can play a card. So if you play a merchant ship, that goes in front of you, and that's if it comes round to you again, you basically get that, and you get the points that are on it. Okay. If you've got a pirate ship, you can play a pirate ship on a on a merchant ship, and basically you're attacking that ship with your pirate ship then, and the strength is the strength of the of the card between mm-hmm. one and four. So somebody could play, you could play a merchant ship, and then somebody next to you will play a pirate onto that, of maybe strength two, for example, and then the next player can play a pirate ship as well. And you basically compete in in strength to try and win that ship. So the only wrinkle is, though, that they've got to play a card of a different colour. So there are four different coloured pirate ships. 
if uh, if you've played a blue two, then you you can play a different color. Uh, it doesn't have to be different to blue, and preferably two or higher. Yeah. So you might play a four on it. Uh, and basically, if it comes around to you again, and you're you've got the strongest strongest attack on that ship, you you get that ship, and you put your face down everything too, and it's worth worth the points around there. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of trump cards. So there are some pirate captains, which basically mean you win whatever your strength. So you could play like a one card on it, and then play your pirate, and you'll you'll guarantee to win. And there's also an admiral as well, which is for defending your your merchant ships. Uh, which works a similar way. It doesn't matter what the strength of the opponent is. If you've got an admiral, you'll you'll always win it. So it's 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 a fairly quick game and it's it's really simple. I, I quite like it because a lot of these like small filler games, they have little tokens with them. So like no thanks and yeah, uh, for sale and things like that. You've got your, your cards, but you've also got some like tokens for keeping track of money as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the games that's just purely a deck of cards. Okay. So there's no there's no other uh, no other bits of bobs to go with it. Yeah. It's all a question of timing. You you got in your hand a, a mix of merchant ships and pirate ships, so you have to decide when you're going to play your merchant ship. Uh, or other people refreshing their hands because you can only play you can only play one card at a time. So it's really difficult to fight on two fronts. So if you've got two merchant ships that are out on the table, and yeah. it comes down to your turn, you basically have to decide which one you're going to go for, which is the more, more likely one that you're going to win. Okay. Uh, it might be that two other players are fighting for a particular merchant ship, and you can sneak a couple through without getting attacked at all. So yeah. the, the the other thing you could do is just draw a card. So there's a bit of an ebb and flow where people are playing cards out to win these merchant ships, and then they'll, they'll draw for like three or four rounds, and that's a good time time to sort of play you know a couple of low value merchant ships. Uh, when the eights come out, when the highest value merchants come out, the eights they're quite sought after, so people are probably going to try and get those if they can. Yeah. So that's that's another thing as well. When do you actually play it in front of you? If you've got the eight in your hand, yeah. you obviously want to win that, so you want to make sure you've got some pirate ships that can win it, or a captain or something. So it's not the deepest of games. It's not the longest of games. It's quite short, like I said, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, there is actually a team version as well that I haven't played. I've just played single player, but you can play it like a team version okay. as well. So you can play like with yourself and a teammate to try and win these. And I think that's for the higher player count, for like six up upwards you can play. Uh, yeah, it's quite good. I quite enjoyed it. It's um, it, Like I said, it's not the deepest or the uh, most strategic of games, but it's quite got some quite interesting decisions to make there's always something you could do on your turn whether okay. it's uh, drawing backup cards or going playing pirate cards when to play those merchant ships is quite important so yeah it's a good little filler so even, even though it's quite an old game it's like say 1992 this one yeah it's uh, it's worth having a look at so i quite enjoyed it so that's loot i think i might have played that once um i think my nephew's got it all oh, right okay i think i think it was that game it was three years ago Three years ago, yeah. There are a couple of versions out. Oh, one, one thing I was going to mention, one criticism. Oh, the newer version, I think. Yeah, yeah, there are, there are. I think mine's the older one. Uh, what, the version that I've got, is quite difficult to tell the colours. There's a, a blue pirate ship and a green pirate ship, and if the light's bad, they're, they're just, there's no other... The, the, the art's the mm. same and everything, so there's no icons in it or anything like that, so you have to oh, look at the colour. Yeah, so yeah. I think the new version fixes that, I don't know, but I think they have different artwork on the different ships. Yeah, not wouldn't be good for colour-blind people either. It's not brilliant, yeah, it's not fantastic. So that's the, my only criticism, really. But if, you, okay. if you're going to look for this, you'll probably find the newer version anyway. So it's probably, Yeah, I think I played a newer version. Yeah, though. yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's all right. Uh, what, what have you been playing? What have you been up to? Well, I'll carry on with the Kickstarter theme because I've very recently been playing something that arrived um, just this week, mm. uh, something I backed on Kickstarter. It's a game called Wavelength, um, which is for, well, it's a, kind of like a party type game, so it's sort of a 2 to 12 plus. Well, 
Um, really, it's for sort of at least four because you you have you have two teams. One one nice thing about it is you can play the whole thing in the box, which is which is quite good. It's really quick to set up because you've got this. The main bit is this kind of it's very hard to describe. <laughs> um, sort of big plastic um, dial and stand. Basically, it's like a spectrum. Hmm. And so who was giving the clue? It's like a, so each round one person on one team is giving a clue to their team to try and guess something, and then the other teams get some opportunity to score a point as well. Um, so the person giving the clue spins the thingy around, and then at random, then that sets like a little scoring zone, sort of goes two, three, four, three, two, and so they're trying to give a clue to where to where the four is on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So it could be anywhere from the extreme left to the extreme right. But one of the key things is that each round you get a different spectrum so it might be something simple like from a spectrum from hot to cold or it might be something like round to square or it might be something like i think one one i've seen was something like um underrated letter of the alphabet to overrated letter of the alphabet and there's some of the idea you know there's some that are just intended to be quite subjective so something like mm. good movie to bad movie mm underrated movie to overrated movie which of course then comes down to how how underrated or overrated do you think this person thinks this movie is mm. <laughs> there's quite a lot of quite a lot of that so i give a clue must him and tries to work out where on the spectrum they think that is and they can be this little knob wheel you move to indicate where you think it is and then the other team can decide whether they think the actual thing is to the left or to the right of where the first team's guessed and if they're right they get a point and then the, the team guessing gets how many points based on how close they were mm. basically and then you go until one team gets 10 points I've played it a couple of times and I quite like it because it's a little bit different to other guessing games because of the spectrum there isn't anything else that has a spectrum mm. the variety of spectrums is quite good there's all sorts of things some simpler ones some complicated things and there's an advanced deck with even harder ones with I think one of them in there is something like um, democracy to something else yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a few that could be yeah so, so you get this. You, you are the word links on the card then? So that yeah, there's also double sided cards on the card. Things on. So, yeah. so when you're giving a clue, what do you, what do you do? Do you pick something that relates to that card? So you've got to pick some. Yeah, so you've got to relate to that. There's a few inst- um, rules for how to give a clue. You've got to try and be concise and on topic and not not make things up. And you can't use numbers to say where it is, you know, or whatever like that. So I had the first thing. The first one I did. Um, the first time I played it, we had. The scale was, um, I think, historically important to historically irrelevant, or something along those lines. Um, and I was on the almost almost at the end on historically irrelevant, or no, culturally relevant to culturally yeah. irrelevant, I think, something like that. And I, my clue for that one was this table, the table <laughs> you're playing on, so that it was it was almost culturally irrelevant or historically relevant, but not quite. So, so with this, uh, with this big like a good family game, it's like rules light and kind of anybody can jump in and, and play it that kind of game. Yeah, it's really set up because you put the whole thing in the box, so it takes about yeah. a minute to set up. You just take the thing out, stand it up, shuffle the cards a bit, get the little token yeah. in the right places, and then put down is obviously very quick as well. I mean, I think the game takes 20 minutes, half an hour. Depends how many runs you take and how long people take to think of clues. But it's quite a relaxed game, and it's just a bit different to all the things that I've played. Like, I quite like it. And the box art's rather psychedelic, lots of colours. Um, yeah, cool. sounds cool. I quite, I quite like yeah. the, uh, the kind of party game kind of things that are coming out now. Um, Code Names was a big one a few years yeah. ago, but it does have its problems. It's a bit more thinky, and you have to have like you know people who are who are good at giving the you know the clues are confident to give the clues. Whereas 
the, these more modern games, they kind of they, they skip that a little bit, don't they? You can give a clue, and it's pretty. Yeah, I've played one or two mm. more recently as well. Beardy Tom brought Letter Jam to oh, the yeah. January Sunday session, which is quite nice. Where you you get where you're trying to yeah you get given words against it. Everybody has a like a letter on the side in front of them that they can't see, and then you can see the rest of them, and then somebody will give a a clue, or you have to make we'll make a word out of visible letters, and you might be able to use a as an asterisk, so you can use that as one additional letter, or you can use multiple times. Um, so you might put, I don't know, if I can see W, A, T, and R, somebody might give the clue, well, you use sort of almost like poker chip things to indicate um, which letters first mm. and second, so I want to say, W is first, A is second, my letter is third, this is the one in the box actually, um, E is fourth, and R is fifth, so I've therefore got something like a D or an F or a T, probably. So you'll try and give clues that will give everybody so from somebody else's point of view it might be W-A-T blank R and somebody else might have A-T blank A-T-E-R or whatever so you try and give clues that will go as many people as possible their words because the idea is it's a cooperative game you're winning and losing together um, you've got to try and get all of your letters in about like a dozen clues I think we have um, and everyone's got to give at least one and you've got you've got five letters each to get which make up a word and um, that you get given by the person on your left at the start of the game but it, it's quite a good film, actually, trying to give some interesting clues that work and can link things together and use his letters in a good way. But, again, a bit different, quite quick. We played it twice, actually. We enjoyed it that much. And then I've played just one as well. Oh, uh, yeah, let's try that one, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. again, word guess again. It's word guessing. It's yeah. One person gets a card with five words on it, picks one at random by saying one to five. They don't know what the words are. Everyone else then writes down a one-word clue to that word. Um, but if anybody writes the same... Whereas anybody else, both mm. those words go, and then the person gets the, the remaining ones, which might be all of them, might be none of them, I suppose. Um, but it's usually, it's, almost, it's always been at least some that I've been playing. It has to guess what their word is. And then so the words can be things like, you know, it might be table, or it might be wall, but then it might be snail, or it might be Gandhi, or it might be Spielberg, or it might be Shrek. There's a bit of a variety of things thrown in there. Um, so that was quite entertaining. And you, again, you have. You see how many you do thirteen of those and see how many you can get out of thirteen, basically. Um, although the second time I played it, um, we just we, we, we sort of waited for people to finish, so we were just playing and seeing how many we got, really. Which actually is quite enjoyable. But this is one of those you can just sort of well, we'll ignore the thirteen, we'll ignore how many you're supposed to, do, just play it until we get a bit bored. Yeah, just play it and yeah, get whatever you can. Yeah. But it's got clever little because you put the person you've got each person against like this little stand, which also function um, also serves as the thing you're writing on, which is quite clever. So multi-purpose thing, which is quite good. But yeah. Is it like a, is it like um, like a wipe off board then? Is it yeah, like a... wipe off. It's kind of wipe off stand. It's kind of white yeah. wipe off little stand with a lip on one side to put the card in when you're not right, yeah. guessing. Yeah. Or when you're when you are guessing rather. And then yeah, so that was quite good. And then one of the other things I played recently, which I got for Christmas, having played it before Christmas, it was a Christmas request. Uh, it was Tiny Towns, which is a, another new release. It plays two to six players in around half an hour, forty-five minutes or so. And it is sort of a really nice game. Generally, it's you. Um, it's got some nice, very clever mechanics. So you just um, you're trying to build a town, basically. And each turn, somebody will name one of five resources: brick, which is red; stone, which is grey; glass, which is blue; wheat, which is yellow; and another one I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> would you believe it would uh, it? a wood that's brown yeah, there we go. so yeah. you'll name one everybody takes a cube of that and puts it you've got a 4x4 four four, little ball with a 4x4 four four grid on it 
of squares and each you would take something name is resource you take that resource and put it on one of your squares the idea being that there are seven buildings that you can build plus you get um like a special one a unique building and um, that's special powers and um, each building needs a certain pattern of resources on the board to build it and then when you build it it has to go in one of the squares that the resources were on so each person, I'm going to call it this resource, and everybody takes that, puts it on. Next mm. person calls that resource, everybody takes that, puts it somewhere. So you might be getting resources you want, you might not be. <laughs> like, will you stop calling glass? I don't need glass. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I played this a couple of times, yeah. Um, it was a while ago now, but yeah, when you get the resource, you have to put it somewhere on your board, and it basically takes up that space, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so you as your board fills up with these buildings, you have to be really careful about placing planning things, and yeah. where you're putting everything and things, yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I think of it as, and as as we mentioned before, it's because with with a lot of games, it's all about there's quite a lot of screwing um, up the opponents. In this game, it's about not screwing up yourself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very more than any other game I've ever played, really. But I, it's really nice. He plays up to six, and even with six, there's not much downtime because everybody's, you know, everybody does something on, on a turn. Yeah. Um, once people put resources, you can then build things, and that you can generally do that simultaneously, really. I think you're maybe supposed to do it in turn order, but that's only if the buildings run out, which they never seem to. So um, there's plenty of them. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty quick playing. Yeah, I think I played it. I played it four and five player, and it was uh, yeah pretty quick. Yeah, pretty quick. I mean, I, I played it six player, then sort of two, three, four player. Yeah, I played it quite a lot of counts, and it it works all right. Two players are sort of a little bit slow as always because you it's quite straightforward. But then as it gets going. It gets a bit trickier, and actually, because of the start, you can't do much. It is actually a very quick start. You know, you're bouncing, you can do a few goes in a minute or two minutes, and they've done a few things and have built something. It's only two of you, so. And the the buildings that you build are the, are the different cards in the deck as well. I seem to remember they're all. Yeah, different. there's there's one that's in every game, which is the cottage, and then each there's six other types, and they have four of each. Which is just like a recommended starter set, and there might be some other recommended sets. I'm not sure, or you can just mix and match. The different ones see different things. There's a particular type, the farm type, well, particular type that um, feeds well the cottages to get the, give the cottages points. Then little things work off. Maybe get points from fed cottages or being next to things or being in particular rows or columns or yeah. yeah they all they all score differently or have li- different abilities, don't they? Yeah. And then the what we the the black ones, the factories and warehouses and whatever have a bit more sort of more actiony base. So you can one of them allows you to. And put resource on there, and if anybody calls that resource, you can choose any resource you want. Another one that I came up once that I wasn't quite sure about, although it might be more interesting and more been because it was a two-player game. It came up that might be a bit better in a sort of five-six player game. It was uh, the bank, where you choose a resource, put it on, and then from then on, you aren't allowed to when you're the master of the one calling the resource, you aren't allowed to call that resource anymore, which is interesting. Say the least. Which seems a bit. There's a problem. I don't quite know. I'm quite worried the point of that, but I guess it means that people know that they're not going to get that when you call, so they're going to have to call it if they want it. So it kind of, I don't know. I mean, I played it with two players, which is a bit. I, I don't think it works best in that somehow. It might be more interesting in a particularly in a multiplayer, particularly if two or three people have got them as well, and you people can't call certain resources. It could get quite complicated, I guess. And it's worth four points as well. So there is that reason to build it. Yeah, so is that quite a lot compared to others? Is that more? Yeah, four is about the most for a, for a card. Or sort of most flat value, anyway. I think I've seen. Some builders might end up getting more, but the way they score, so. 
Yeah, I quite I quite like to when I played it. Yeah, the variety of the different buildings means like the scoring is different each time. And yeah, there's a good, there's a good amount of replayability and uh, kind of kind of planning ahead and making sure you've got the space available for the fill buildings you want to build. And it's good. It's a nice nice sort of half an hour to an hour game. Um, when you want something lightish but a bit rainbowy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not very long either, is it? It's well under an hour. Yeah. Even with like six players, it's. Yeah, yeah it does quick. scale well up to six. You know, even yeah. with, like I said, even with six, it doesn't. There's still not that much downtime. I mean, because sometimes you go on list with six players and go, but in this mm. case, it's almost in some ways better because there's a lot, there's a lot more. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's all going wrong with six players because <laughs> a lot more of it is out, out of your control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Okay, so that's tiny towns. Next up, we've got an interview with Jim from Patriot Games. Jim Freeman is the owner and managing director, and Patriot Games is probably one of the most well-known and biggest gaming stores in the Sheffield area. So here he is now. Uh, so I'm here at Patriot Games with Jim Freeman, who's uh, one of the owners here. Um, one of the most well-established and longest-running stores in Sheffield. Hi, Jim. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for talking to me today. You're welcome. Uh, can you uh, tell me what your job title is, please, and what you do here? Okay, well, I guess my official Spangly title is uh, Managing Director, but I'm owner and, and I run, I say I run the store, I've got quite a big team of staff these days, so I delegate a lot these days, so I, I in theory, get to look into some of the more interesting projects, but um, often it's just admin <laughs> so um but yeah the general day-to-day uh overseeing of what's going on in the store and making sure that we are doing the right things and and people around the country or the world gets to know we're here when it's relevant can you tell me a bit about the history of the store when did it start off and how did it start sure so we started out in 1994 um in castle market and back then we were called Patriot Comics, and as the name would suggest, we were a comic shop. Um, I wasn't in charge back then. That was uh, someone called Francis, um, and the store, it did really well, um, and it it soon kind of outgrew the space and moved out into a shop on Ladies Bridge, and we were there for, um, for a number of years, 2000 and... 2004, 2006, I can't remember, um, we moved into a double-sized unit, um, which was one and two ladies' bridge. We were there for a long time. That was a, a, a decent home. At the time we moved into that that unit, we were considered an enormous store. And then by the time we moved out of that unit, it was considered to be a tiny store. Yeah. That's how much gaming stores changed in that period of time. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of... I think we dropped the name Patriot Comics in 2002 and became Patriot Games because we had moved entirely over to gaming. We still had a few back issues of comics, but when Francis left, most of the comic book expertise left with him. So um, my my interest and focus has always been games, so we kind of... It seems silly to be called Patriot Comics and not sell any, so uh, we changed to Patriot Games. Sense, yeah. Never really looked back from there. Yeah. Although there have been times when the name Patriot Games has caused us a few problems, but um, but generally speaking, it's it's served us pretty well. They've been been established for quite a long time, and uh, obviously had a few uh, had a few moves in that time. But yeah. it's been a lot, it's been a while, hasn't it? That that Patriot Games as a gaming store. 
Yeah, we did. We celebrated 25 years in April last year. So yeah. So you moved to the new process about four years ago. Yes. Yeah. That was partially crowdfunded. Uh, was that a hard decision to make? It, it wasn't a hard decision to make, knowing that we wanted to move. It was a hard decision to find the right place. It, we actually spent five years looking for the right, oh, right. place. Now, yeah. interestingly, I don't know if you're aware, but we are imminently moving again because we are being oh, right. we're being booted out effectively yeah. because yeah. The developers bought this block to knock it down and build a mm. nice big skyscraper. So we've had to try and replicate what we did in five years in six months, um, which has been quite time-consuming. So, yeah, my job <laughs> so, title might as well have been... Um, viewer of of premises listings for the last six months um so yeah the original move it was it was a scary choice because it was a big step up because once you go past the size and the kind of out slightly out of town location that we had Mm. um things start to get expensive Mm. and then you you have to kind of step up your game and, and make sure that you're you're making sure you're covering your bills and things. But we went from having three staff members to having 12, so it seemed like it was the right choice. Mm. You've got uh, quite a good uh, healthy community here of people who get sort of all kinds of gamers. Um, did you find that it was difficult to to build this, or to, did people move when you moved as well, or did it just grow organically from...? Well, we already We already had been kind of supporting and building and, and working with gamers in Sheffield for a number of years before we moved here so we already had a fairly decent sized community um, and it has it has got bigger but I think gaming as a whole has got bigger I think it's become more I say in the public domain more more mainstream that's not really the right word but it's it's definitely in the more public conscious than it was um, we used to get people like passing by would shout through the door, nerd or geek or something. <laughs> it doesn't happen so much now because people don't really see that as a weird thing anymore. So, I mean, we do work hard to keep a community. It is difficult, as as you all know from being part of a a large club. That actually, there's a lot of politics goes on within within groups, and gaming communities are lots and lots of little groups, and so we have to fight hard against there being any kind of cliques or um, you know, just generally people, I think um, I read it in an article being called gatekeeping, mm. where people won't let people join in mm. because they want it to be their own special mm. thing. Um, so th- that's kind of what we spend a lot of time policing that and just trying to, I don't know, support what people want to do. And then I always worked on the basis that if we support the community, ultimately the community will support us. So it's beneficial to us. And then it's beneficial to me personally, because I like to have a community to play games with. Not that I get that much time to do that at the moment, but there we go. You, you, the store itself runs all kinds of all kinds of events. There's role-playing, there's magic events, there's other CCGs, there's board gaming. Uh, can you tell us about some of the events that, that you run here on a regular basis? And Sure, we, we try and... Uh, we try and probably do too many things. Sally, who is our general manager, she's constantly telling me that we need to maybe try and stop doing everything. Um, but I like I like to see people playing and I like to support lots of different things. So we kind of, as I'm in charge still, I get the final say. So we often end up doing them anyway. But we, we do, on a regular basis, we do kind of um, evenings for 
different things throughout the week. So Mondays is general role play, um, and that's just open for people to come down and role play. Tuesdays is D and D. It used to be D and D and other things, but D and D is now so big. We get like a hundred people a week. It's it's huge. Um, Wednesdays is open gaming, so we have a bit of everything. Thursdays is miniatures and war games. Fridays tends to be dominated by Friday Night Magic, but we have a bit of board gaming as well on that day. We have a bit of board gaming on Tuesdays downstairs as well. Um, yeah, pe- people are passing by might not be aware that there's a big room upstairs as well for, yeah. for gaming. And hopefully in the, the new premises, when we get that sorted, we'll, ha- we'll have some similar kind of arrangement where we'll have a large gaming space and, yeah. and the shop floor. Yeah. So it's something for everybody, really. Yeah, and then we run weekends, we run tournaments and and more what you would call organized play things like so we'd have um competitive magic events or we might have um like uh asmo play things like they did a mystic veil um kit so you can run an event for that and we did a seven wonders league um but we also do things like we have a Yu-Gi-Oh hobby league for the younger guys, Pokemon on Sundays. And we, we try and kind of rotate things so that we cover things all the way from um, Warhammer to X-Wing, Imperial Assault, through to board games. Obviously, people are aware we do card gaming, so there's lots of that. That's one of my my things. And my other favourite thing is role-playing, so we, we do lots of role-play. Patriot Games is, a, is an award-winning store now so tell us about the uh, the retail awards yeah that was that was kind of unexpected and and nice i mean we went 25 years without i think the outside world even realizing we existed and then in one year we got shortlisted for seven awards so uh we came away from the sheffield city center retail awards with um the people's choice award which was really nice and that was quite special because that's voted for by the public um I think we got quite a lot of votes for that. I think partly because gamers were involved, it meant that they were quite savvy and they know how to use the internet, where some of the other stores might have been on a back foot with that. Um, We got highly commended for customer service, and that was something I was very happy about because I do spend a lot of time making sure that the staff are are good at customer service, that they're nice to people and they, they talk to them properly and they greet them when they come in because supposed to be a friendly welcoming place so it needs to feel like that when you come in and then the third one was uh, outstanding contribution to retail and that was just a recognition of the things that we've done I do it's supposed to have been for the year but it's the first year they've done the award so I think they took into consideration a bit further back so things like bringing world championships to Sheffield and nationals to Sheffield for things and and kind of helping to to bring a lot of people from outside the city into Sheffield that that stood us in good stead for that award so that yeah. was nice put, put a lot of hard, work, hard working over the past few years so it's nice to see that it's yeah. you know, paid off and recognised a little bit in that yeah in that I mean sense. it's not like everyone always says when they win something you don't do it for the awards mm. and we, we, we don't but it's nice to get an award, yeah. you know. It's yeah. um, not something I ever expected would happen so it, it, it's it's very pleasing uh, so, from the board com- board gaming point of view, there are obviously hundreds and hundreds of board games released every year, and you've only limited to a certain number of stock and a certain number of space. So, how how do you decide uh, what games to keep in stock and what to keep, you know, that's that's uh, going to sell and you're going to keep on your shelves? 
Is there a system or do you just play it by ear or do you... There, there is, there's a number of systems in place. It, I think last year there was something ridiculous like 3,500 mm. board games released, yeah. which is insane. Um, many, many years ago when we, we carried what was considered a large amount of board games when we had 10, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, that was somewhat easier. Um, but again, they were much slower moving back then. So we do a lot of research. Um, I have a staff member whose job primarily is to look at all the, the stock that's coming up and, and try and um, evaluate it and make sure that that it's worth looking at. And then and then we will look at it. Uh, you know, the other members of the staff will look. We also will go to conventions. UK Games Expo is really good. Um, I was lucky enough to go to Gen Con this year, um, or last year, as it is now. Um, and I, I, I spent one of the days there just getting demos of upcoming. I had 50 demos in one day, lots of photographs, lots of note-taking, a very useful um, resource. I can't normally afford to go to Gen Con. I was very lucky the L5R community paid for me to go over, um, which was a real privilege, um, getting to do something so so amazing uh, uh, and not having to pay a penny to it was pretty incredible yeah. but uh, things like that also playthroughs talking to <coughs> customers club members um, regulars people who have like top tips they've played something or they've seen something spend a lot of time browsing through Kickstarter looking at what might break through into retail um, Lots of different things, really, all 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 kind of rolled in, and then we try and and go deep on product that we're confident in, and if we're not sure, we might only get one copy. We don't tend to go in between, really. We tend to get a lot or just one, and if we get just one and it sells instantly, then well, then we'll we'll give it another go. But when games slow down, is the hardest time. It's mm. choosing, trying to decide if they're going to be. Um, like an evergreen product or whether they're, they've had their run and you get caught out sometimes because sometimes you think yeah this is going well. well we'll order a bunch more in and then actually what you found is everyone who wanted it has it and now you're stuck with the load so yeah. Um, yeah. but you have to take risks otherwise you don't get you don't get the, the good hot games so what, what's uh, what's currently selling well at the moment what's what's coming in that's good that you, that you would recommend or any any good tips for new games that are out at the moment well i mean we i looked at our our kind of best selling over the last few months and christmas changes things a little something because of what people buy for gifts and always the things they would buy for themselves but still like out in front of things like ticket to ride and pandemic um the kind of classics the modern classics the ones that new gamers can play with um experienced gamers uh, they've done very well. They're still out there. And then, for the more kind of established game, I think Wingspan is still one well, we can get everywhere out of it again at the moment. But that's that comes in and goes straight out. It's still very popular. Mm. And surprisingly, Gloomhaven for the very dedicated gamer that mm. still sells very well, mm. even though it's a massive game with a very big price tag on it. Um, as for new games, I'm not really sure at the moment which ones I would recommend. I, I played a few at Gen Con that I really enjoyed. The Jaws board game is a cooperative. I'm not sure if it's actually hit retail or not yet, but that 
that was fun surprisingly i thought it would be awful um but it wasn't it was good yeah. it's if if you're not a fan of the film you're gonna find it the dullest experience ever but it made a good board game experience um and there's a couple of things coming out from mythic which look really good um the battle arena thing that they i can't remember the proper name of it mm. that looks good and uh and if solomon kane ever actually comes out that looks good as well Brilliant. Uh, and what about yourself, Jim? Do you, uh, you? I know you said you're busy doing a lot of the tough stuff at the time. Do you, uh, do you get a chance to play mini games yourself, or um, Christmas time? I play more than probably any other time of the year, yeah. um, board game wise. This is um, my my kind of first love is role play. So I always make sure I get one one session of role play in a week if I can. Um, not getting one this week. That I would be doing it now if, if yeah. I was. Um, I've been role playing since I was at school, so um, and that's a long time ago. Um, so <laughs> I've played lots of different games. The game we're, I'm currently playing in is Simba Room. I'm very fond of that game. It's, it's a lovely game, um, but I'll, I'll play any role play game really. Yeah. I, I won't guarantee I'll like it, but I'll definitely play any role play game. Um, board game wise, I think. What did I last play? I actually I played. Uh, Mysterium on Christmas Eve at the shop with some of the guys. I'd never played it before, and I really enjoyed that. That was that was a great deal of fun. So, but I think my favourite game currently, board game wise, is uh, and I'm going to say this wrong, but Tower Tuikan, oh, yeah. the City of Gods yeah. game. That that I could I could play that a lot if I got the chance. But it's a long game, so I don't often get the chance. But yeah. I really like that game. That's my kind of. I like a heavy board game. Yeah, you can sink your teeth into it. So, you've already mentioned some of the plans for the future already about moving shop and things like that. Anything else? Any other plans that you, for the future of expansion? or? We looked at expansion before. We opened um, other shops, but then I found that uh, it really changes what you do. Um, and in the end, like Huddersfield, IQ Games used to be a Patriot Games, but we ended up selling that to Steve. Uh, who's the manager there because I think the person who's there feet on the ground they they're much better placed to make decisions as what's right I mean chain stores exist I get that but I always find chain stores in general are, are less kind of personal and, and welcoming there and that's not what I wanted to be so I don't think we're looking at opening more branches we might I'm not going to rule it out but I think the move will hopefully be into a larger premises so that will give us some room for expansion and we're doing stuff with the custom Patriot with the printing things and we do stuff for the trade a lot now and what's, to, the, what's the printing thing? so we print play mats and mm. dice trays and tablecloths and all sorts of things like um, yeah yeah we've been doing that for a few years now we 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 couldn't find anywhere that did it um, so we decided to to do it ourselves and now we have three employees that do that basically um we print on demand like to customers um custom play mats but we also print a lot for um kickstarters for small businesses that are just starting out but we've also done stuff for asmodee and pokemon company and um all sorts of people um and that's that's a pretty good little extra but there's room to expand on that um we currently can't go as big as six by four, so like a three by three or a three by however long. I think we could probably do a mat that's almost a length of this street, 
but it would only be three feet wide. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of scope for that, I think. Um, and then probably trying to just, if we get a big enough space, do some more kind of big OP, organized play, sorry. I get the habit of calling it OP, but not everyone knows what that means. Um, and just kind of, I don't know, trying just get better at what we do. And, and we're always trying to, um, to be better. Um, there's always a lot of room to improve, however good you think you are. Um, and I think we're looking to maybe add a few extra bits to the what the shop does when we move into the new premises, when we finally get that sorted, um, like coffee and, and just a few little extra bits. We're not aiming to become a, a board game cafe or anything. Uh, I think Treehouse have that nicely covered. Um, but just kind of a few more mod cons for the for the gamers so if uh, if people want to find out where you are or i'll get in touch with you or I'll contact you or i'll find you on the internet how how do they go about that uh we have a a, a pretty active facebook page which is patriot games sheffield and i think um there's a patriot games leads page as well so just make sure you go on to the right one not that you should avoid leads one of course they're just as lovely as well um i I think uh, we were on Twitter at Patriot Games Limited. Uh, we were on most of the social media platforms. I'll be honest, I'm not great at most of those, so Sean deals with that. But um, you can always email me, jim at patriotgames.limited.uk, um, or give us a ring. We like talking to people. So um, all of our details are on our website, and um, we have a new website coming soon, so we'll hopefully have a more up-to-date, nice website for them to, to communicate with us through. Thank you for spending some time talking to me. Thank you for asking. Thank you for your time. I'll right. speak to you again soon. Okay, so question of the week is, uh, do you play solo games? So there's a lot of uh, a lot of games now that have a have a solo mode built in, and it's becoming more and more popular, I think, probably. There are obviously some games that just, just don't work uh, a single player. I think solo gaming is good for people who can't necessarily always get to the to the games club or want to play a game of that when you've got some spare time or something like that. Or haven't got a, can't get people to play with very often. Or so you can sit down and you can play sort of a game yourself, get everything out and sort of play play through a scenario or a game or whatever it might be. So there's, there's lots of reasons for solo gaming. Um, some people perhaps even prefer it that way. Uh, they don't want that social interaction. They just want something they can concentrate on and sort of sit down and. You know, and, mm. and work the way through, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so there are some games that are just one player only, so they they just play one player and, and nothing else. So a good example yeah, of that is good. one that I've called, I've played called uh, Friday. This is by Freedom and Freeze. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've come across. That. I've not played it. Right. Okay. This is a deck. This is a one player deck builder, <laughs> which which sounds a bit weird, okay. but you get um you get some little tokens which are like your life energy, and then you've got a deck of cards that you kind of work your way through, and these cards get harder and harder. So they start off pretty easy. If you win the card, you, you basically put it into your deck and then it comes back later on and it gives you a special ability. Or if you don't want, if you can't win it or if you don't want to win it, you can pay some health and then you can discard it to the discard pile and it'll basically come round again. Okay. Um, so it's a choice of trying to sort of build up your deck, but obviously you're losing health because you, there are some stuff that crops up like animals and things that are like really tough and you won't. You know, it's really hard to fight them. So you just put them to one side, but you pay a bit of health for that. So it, it works really well. Um, I quite enjoyed, I quite enjoyed playing, playing Friday. 
Can you get health back in any way? Yes, yeah. There are some of the cards that have special abilities that get get, okay. get health back. So, like like a lot of deck builders, you can uh, you can get rid of cards out of your out of your deck. Oh, right, so some yeah. some of the rubbish ones that don't give you any special abilities or. Like the, there might be one that just gives you one health back, but you've got another one that gives you three health back. So okay. you can get rid of the one health, so you cycle through your deck quicker. You, there's cards that make you discard cards out of your deck. There's cards that you know give you more health back. There's cards that help you with fighting and things like that. So you, you go through your deck, and then basically at the end, there's some pirates that you have to fight, and you have to have your deck in a state that you can you can fight these pirates and have enough you know attack value in there to to actually fight them. So fr- Friday is definitely a one-player-only game. You can't play it at any other player count. Um, it's it's fairly quick. Probably takes about half an hour or so, uh, and it's quite interesting. They've got a lot of choices. Your turn as to, as to what you're doing. It, it fits in quite a small box, so there's not a lot of components. There's a deck of cards and some tokens for your health, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So that's a good one. Um, I've got. I've also got a different uh, one-player game. My Freedom and Freezer, hmm. um, which not surprisingly also begins with F, which is called Finished. It's um, actually themed on somebody working in an office, sort of office work. Um, I, I quite like the idea because basically, if you play the game, you take the, you've got basically there's a deck of 40, 48 cards and then some tokens. So you take, you take the deck and take the numbered 1 to 48, so you take card 48 out, shuffle the rest and put 48 on the bottom. And then basically, the idea is you've got to get them back into order from 1 to 48. Or you take, sort of take them out of the, the deck in, in order. Um, so on your turn, you take the top three and put them face up and then each card has got an, an ability at the bottom which you activate by using sweets um, and then you start with a certain number of sweets and that depends on the difficulty level uh, um, as well because there are several difficulty levels and so then you decide do I want to use this for a sweet do I want to so the things like draw more cards or hmm. I'm going to deal with these later because there's, there's sort of three the game has sort of three areas that you can be in there's the past the present and the future so it's like what you're working on now what you've just worked on or what you're going to be working on in the next in, in, the, in the future as in the next hmm. Hand. So a lot of the game is about pushing cards around and things like that. And then when when you finished your turn, um, you can put you put the cards into the yeah the past. But when you do that, you can put them in whatever order you want when you put them down there, um, which is quite important because that's one of the that's the only time you get to sort of freely reorder the cards because there are some cards that relate to bring things back from the the from the past or whatever, and mm. you can shuffle them around because it's about because you get out and you might you've seen you might draw twenty two twenty five. 39 it's like right I could do with those two are quite close and we do that one oh, okay I've got 21 okay you can try, draw, try and draw lots of cards out but of course that takes sweets if you run out of sweets then you can't do much or anything mm. um, but if you put if you put into the past a run of consecutive cards you, um, of at least three you get number of equal to the size of that run minus one so you can generate sweets in that way so towards the end of the game you find you can end up getting quite a few sweets and then one, one, so then the idea is to then take the cards out in order. So once you find the one card, you move it out of the way and draw another one. And then when you get the two cards after that, that goes on top and so on. But basically, you've got a limited amount of... When you want to go in the path, then go at the bottom of the deck. And then when you get to the card 48, once that goes to the bottom of the deck or into the past, you discard a coffee token. And once you run out of coffee tokens, if you discard card 48, again, you lose. So you've got a limited number of times the foot card 48 can come round to do this in and how long does it take that one how long do you think it takes to play sort of it's taken me half an hour 45 minutes it's not right. I mean it's sort of, it's not a 10 minute one player game but it's quite I, I quite like it because it's sort of 
I don't know. I quite I quite like the mice of just shuffle the deck and now put it back in order again. It's sort of something quite neat in that somehow. Yeah, yeah. Satisfying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the decisions are quite nice. It's like, shall I do this? Shall I do that? Do I draw another card? It might fit in or it might be completely horrible. Um, there's a bit of memory as well because if you can remember what you what was where when you get back to the start of the deck yeah. you can go ah okay so I know the next cards are going to be this one so I don't want to draw it or maybe I do want to draw it but I keep forgetting what cards are where <laughs> and that screwed me up a few times I go, no oh, I didn't want to draw that one <laughs> damn it <laughs> you're drawing sort of not quite drawing the right set three cards I have so it can be a bit frustrating but I have I've completed it um, a few times on sort of the second half level or second to fifth level I can't remember but yeah I quite like it because it's a good little one player sort of this was sort of part puzzle part game almost trying yeah. to get it back for that one uh, there, there are other ones as well there's one called Anirium I haven't played that one and yeah I've got uh, one there's in there's like a series of those Sil- I think yeah I've got I've got Sylveon which is sort of about um, trying to stop a fire from burning which I quite like hmm. um, they have really nicely designed boxes actually those games hmm. sort of open it and you've got like this flaps and things that, and you've got, then you've got the, the the top of the rules booklet sort of forms the part of the picture once it's all oh, closed yeah. which is quite nice it's quite a nicely done box um, yeah. that was quite good it came with a couple of mini expansions as well you trying to go through some cards to try and stop fire destroying the forest which I've again I've seen that a couple of times but it, it can be tricky yeah um, th- there are also uh, games which come with a solo mode yeah so one one that I've got is Tiny Epic Galaxies yeah uh, and basically yeah. each player gets a play map but on the other side of a play map is like a, an AI galaxy that you can play against uh-huh. Uh, the, these kind of games kind of play out like a normal like a normal game, but you're playing against an AI instead of instead of an opponent. So they'll score points, they'll build up their empire, and they'll do things based on you know what dice you're rolling and things okay. like that. Have you played uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies or any of the games that have got? I've played Tiny Epic like, Galaxies a couple of times. Yeah, and one or two other Tiny Epic things. The, the things I like about that one is that it does feel like the normal game that you're playing. It does feel feel like a multiplayer game a little bit. So you're still doing the same thing. You're still rolling the dice and moving chips around and things. Yeah, cause I do like Tiny Epic Galaxies. I think it's my favourite mm. Tiny Epic game of all yeah, I've played. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. Um, it's also not too fiddly compared to some of them, which are almost a bit too small. I don't know if the others have got solo modes as well. Pro- presumably, the the other Epic games. They might do. I don't know. I've got quite a few games now with solo modes, although I've not played. And Agricola's got a solo mode, which I haven't tried mm. as well. It's got almost like a little campaign. Um, so, sometimes they come in the expansion as well. So I've got a game called Paper Tales, which is like a drafting game. That um, that's got an, a solo mode in the expansion, so that's got like a, like a deck of cards that you work through, and, and again that works like the normal game. It's the AI scores kind of points depending on what cards you join and things like that. Um, same same with Unearth, I think that's got a solo mode as well, uh, but that comes with the expansion. Yeah, Dream Homes expansion had a it's got a solo mode as well, mm-hmm. as well as exciting the best game to six players and doing one two bits. Uh, one, one of the fan- things I found is as well that solo modes are, are so popular that sometimes people will make them up themselves. So there are a lot of fan-made solo modes. So I've got a board game called Village, uh, which is a Euro oh, game right. about building yeah. a village and everything. And there's a yes, fan-made solo mode for that. So okay. basically you can go on BGG, uh, you can download these rules, uh, and there's some rules there for playing, again, a yeah. kind of AI opponent who will do so basic things based on what you're, what you're selecting and things. Um, so so that's, that's quite a popular... Uh, popular thing as well, and a good place to look is BGG for for sort of solo modes. If it doesn't come already in the box, you can have a look in there. There's a, there's a good list every year of um, games for solo play. I think there's like a list of 
gets basically changed every year with oh, right, yeah. um, solo modes on BGG, sort of solo games, you know, best best games for solo play. Yeah. Um, list all the top games for solo play, does like 100 or something. Right, yeah. So if yeah. you wanting to find ones that are good for solo, that's definitely a good list. Uh, another another way that you can play uh, digital uh, solo games is it is it playing the digital version. Oh yeah. So a lot of them will have yeah. like AI opponents, uh, and you can basically just play the game against the computer. So things yeah. like Carcassonne, uh, things like that. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a lot of my Star Realms playing is against the AI. Star Realms, or, yeah. So there there are some. I think Friday uh, that I mentioned earlier, I think that has a an app version as well. Yes, it does. I've seen it on the app. And I, pre- I presume there'll be a, a, an app version of Anirim and some of the others as well. So I think there's Anirim, yeah. Yeah, if, if you don't have the room, yeah, if you don't have the space or the room to sort of get out all the cards and, and do that kind of thing, then that it. might be a that might be another option. Uh, yeah. what, what you could do as well is um, co-op games. You can play multiple characters at once. So, like Pandemic, for example, you can play oh, yeah. uh, play on your own, and you can just play yeah. like a two player game kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, Seventh Continent, for example, is one that is I think works quite well on your own or with two. Mm. Sort of, I mean, it would up to four, but I think sort of a bit lower than that is a sweet spot. One or two is probably quite good, and that's mm. that's cooperative. What one of the things um, that I, that I usually do as well is uh, what, when I get a game. I like to sort of get it out and read the instructions and punch all the bits out, but usually what I'll do is I'll set it up as well, and I'll okay. kind of play play the game, but play competitively. So okay. like one one side of the you know one player, I'll set it up and say right, you're going for red cards or whatever it might be, and the other player might be going for coins, and kind of play that way okay. as well and just see who wins. Right. Yeah. So you're not necessarily playing against each other or against you know the game itself you're just sort of kind of playing, playing strategies against going each other. through it and seeing you know what strategies will work and which ones you know which ones you prefer and things like that yeah and how the game works yeah yeah, yeah sort of the, so the main the main point of it is to teach yourself you know how the, how the okay. games work and things but not uh, not thought to try that actually never never given that go because sometimes I've just sort of been I've only got enough time to sort of pop the game out and whatever else and uh, got other things I want to do as well but um yeah. Well, that that's one of the downsides, I guess, is the you, you kind of miss out on that social interaction if you, yeah. you know, if if you if you are kind of playing. When I'm doing that, when I'm playing a game, game sort of to learn it, I'll play probably a couple of rounds or I'll play halfway through, and then once I've got it, I'll I'll pack it all away so I don't always go through to the yeah. to the end because I, I I really want to play it with other people. You know, I miss that kind of the you know speaking to other people and the interaction that you get from from the other players and things. Yeah, I think I think they're good for. When you you know when you want to play a game but you know you haven't got anybody around like mm. you know at the moment it's just me here for example so I mean, if I wanted to play something now I could just go and go and find something that'll play solo or just a solo yeah. game and go and give that go if I wanted to yeah, yeah. do that um, you know it allows you to play get your fix of particular games even if you haven't got people there to play them with yeah because um, that can be you know in for certain people so if you're not you know if you're not in a club or whatever or you've only got certain circle of friends that. You know, it might happen a bit more sporadically. Yeah. So yeah. it allows you to try that even if they're not there. Particularly digital versions as well. Yeah. For that, because then you can actually always play it properly a bit against an AI, quite mm, potentially. Mm. So then you get. Oh, uh, one thing I've just thought of: you can play Ticket to Ride against Alexa if you've got the um, Amazon okay. Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, no, I wasn't. You, you can, uh, if you've got an Amazon Alexa, you can, um, uh, you can play, play against Alexa. Uh, so she'll play. 
she'll play against you in a two-player game, or you can add her in as an extra player as well. Yeah, um, right. and basically, she's got her own deck of cards and her own hand and everything. So you you take your turn, and then you say, Alexa, I'm done, and then she takes her turn, and she might claim a route, or she might draw some more ticket cards. Again, she's got her own tickets, so you don't have to worry about it. Okay. Um, she does all the scoring for you as well. So that, that's quite that's quite cool. I quite enjoyed uh, I quite enjoyed playing that. <laughs> you've had that, have you? I, I tried it. Yeah, yeah. I um, I set it all up, set the set the game up, and everything. Uh, again, tickets to ride is another one that's got an app, so you can play it just on the app. And yeah, it's AI. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah. Uh, but this is actually getting the physical board game out, setting it all up. Okay. Uh, and Alexa, you know, makes her own moves and everything. So it's it's like yeah, it's really cool. It's quite quite funny. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, it's quite quite good. I hope they do it for other games. To be honest, I think uh, I think it's, it'd be good for yeah, quite a few different games. So. Yeah, yeah, it worked well. Yeah, uh, that one yeah. does take a little bit longer, I guess. If you if you're playing, you know, like a full board game, probably take about an hour, maybe a little bit more to play to yeah. play a game ticket right to ride. So, like the some of the games yeah. we talked about previously are just like quick card games, but that, that's a bit longer. That one's been long. Yeah, I think with Alexa as well, you would hope that nobody wants to use Alexa while you're playing yeah, the game. Yeah. With her. That could cause problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. Um, I did put um, a note on Facebook as well to see if we've got any recommendations from from the club members. And uh, Mark answered from Not Board Gaming. He's actually done a top ten list on YouTube. Okay. So if you want to have a look at uh, top ten solo games that are his favourites, um, you can go on YouTube and look for Not Board Gaming, and you can have a look there. Okay. Um, he, he actually mentioned uh, I'm going to I'm going to call out some of his uh, some of his top top ones here that he that he likes. Um, to get a game called Nemesis, which I think is the alien type game. You're kind of on a board and there's like an alien's running around. And you're in a spaceship and you have to sort of escape from them because they're a lot tougher than you. Um, that's got a solo mode on it. I don't know if you have played that one at all. No, I don't really have. I'm no, sure I don't I think I've that one. I've probably seen the name of it somewhere, but uh, another one they mentioned was a game called Mage Knight. Um, this is a bit of an older one, but this is like a big, sprawling, epic fantasy kind of game. Um, you can play that solo mode as well. I think I don't know if it's co-op, but that's that's one. That you yeah, I think it was co-op as well. I think it's competitive as well, actually. But that is one of the better single-player ones that I know. I've never actually played it no, somehow. Yeah, no, missed that one. Yeah. And then his favourite is uh, is one that. He, his favourite they like to play is one called Kingdom Be- Kingdom Death Monster. This is the oh, big yeah, Kickstarter one, one that was released with uh, a yeah. big, big huge box with loads of um, miniatures in it, but they're not really miniatures; they're big, <laughs> big models, really. Pikachus, yeah. But you kind of. Um, yeah, I think it was. I think it got sort of. It was a bit disappointing on the first release, but then I think over the second release. All oh, right, yeah. Um, kind of fixed possibly, a few things, is it? It was a yeah. yeah. Not sure. I'm not sure, but I do remember that it was quite hyped for the initial release, yeah. and then it kind of flopped a bit because right. uh, it was quite expensive and quite large. It and the is, game yeah, wasn't quite yeah. up to the up to the promise. It is quite an expensive one, yeah. But that that one, you're kind of building up a village of of uh, people, and you get like different abilities and things. And then in between the village stages, you kind of go out and you can't, you can't fight monsters and you find resources and okay. things that bring back to the village. Uh, so it's kind of an ongoing campaign thing where you, you sort of build up your village and you you get people coming to you and you have to provide for them and clothe them and feed them and things like that. So oh, wow. uh, it, it looks really good. Like I say, it's quite a big sprawling game. It's uh, got loads of miniatures in it, but um, it looks really nice when it's out on the table. It looks quite involved as well, so if you've sort of got plenty of time to sit down and play something that yeah. you want to sink your teeth yeah. into, I think Mage Knight and Kingdom Death Monster are probably... Yeah, you know, ones that you can spend weeks and weeks playing, probably. <laughs> yeah, 
and get loads of uh, loads of value out of them. Especially if you've spent a lot on a game, you want to get that value out of it, don't you? You want to play it enough. Gloomhaven is another one that has ridiculous value for money. <laughs> or ridiculous mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's loads of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> loads of stuff in that box. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. It's one huge. that I'm not going to get into because I just do not have the time. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just <laughs> don't want to add that to my things that I'm doing list. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for this uh, episode then. So. Uh, if you do want to find us, we're on the uh, Facebook, we're on Twitter, uh, we're on YouTube. You can find the forum at www.sheffieldboardgamers.com. Uh, Samuel, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You're welcome. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next thank time. You. Thank you very much. Yep. See you again soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye for now.